Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. We're going to get into some stuff today. I, I, uh, I really do not, I know I've said this before, but I don't really have a sermon per se for you today as much as I just have some random stuff jotted down. Uh, just <laughs> thank you, Bliss. You always got my back. Just stuff that I've been in. Holy Spirit has been walking me through, trying to teach me, uh, show me. Uh, I actually tried yesterday evening and even early this morning to really write it into a message like I prefer. Normally, when I get up here, I've written page after page after page. You could just about read it word for word. Today is not that. Uh, so we're just going to get into this and see where it goes. I really want to come at a a mindset. I really want to come at your theology. All right. Today, I, I, want to, I want to talk about theology. Now, I know that seems like a big word and we get so lost in all the stuff, but theology broke down literally just means what you think about God. You all have your own personal theology. Everyone has their own theology. You may operate under the same doctrine that I operate under or we as a family operate under, but each of our theologies are somewhat different because we all have our own personal experiences and things that have happened and and it's formed what you think about God. And so today I wanna talk about our theology and I wanna do it from this topic. It started with, I'm not a uh, seasonal preacher, I guess that's what you call it. Dad has never been and so coming up under him, we've just never been the type to do Thanksgiving messages and Christmas messages and Easter messages, even though now we've built an entire week around Easter and we preach on the story. But so when I first got into prayer, I actually thought I was going to go deeper into some stuff that we dealt with in the last kingdom advance and just Jesus's life. And, and, and God started speaking to me about two weeks ago on Thanksgiving. And, uh, as I got ready and closer to this weekend, it just kept being more and more. That was the main topic. But how do I say this under this topic of Thanksgiving, I want to deal with our theology because your Thanksgiving is a result of your theology. How you think about God will govern how thankful you are. Where This is going to be good. And we're going to deal with your theology. Did you know that your theology is not what you believe about Jesus? All right? Your theology is what you believe about God. And the problem is, in most cases, we believe different things about God than we believe about Jesus. For instance, this week I heard it by a pastor put one of the most basic and incredible ways I've ever heard this brought out. And he said, a lot of times in church we see Jesus and God as good cop, bad cop. Jesus is so good. He died for me. But we still see God like the God from Mount Sinai that will strike me when I do something wrong. We just go in there today. And I believe I can prove this by dealing with Thanksgiving. So I want to look at a few things. First, I want to start by just, let's just get into the character and the nature of God. See, a lot of times what happens is because God is infinite, when you try to approach or understand or study God, you're more discouraged after you start than you were before because he's infinite because he is beyond knowing, because he is boundless. For instance, let me show you, let me give you an example. I want you to think about the verse in the beginning. In the beginning, God. The Bible starts off with one of the most boundless, deepest, that's a good one, limitless verses in the entire Bible says, in the beginning, God. So now I want you in your finite mind to go back and picture the beginning. You have no reference. Your mind is, is, and what happens is we as humans, when we have no reference and I can't pinpoint it, I get aggravated because I need to know, I need to be right. So often what happens is God in his infiniteness, that's a new word we're gonna use today. God in his infiniteness becomes 
uh, discouraging. So we don't know a whole lot about him because trying to know him discourages me. Because I don't know in the beginning. How many millions and trillions of years was it before Adam? And even if you could number millions or trillions, that would automatically make him no longer infinite because he would have a beginning. And if he has a beginning, then he would have to have an end and he would no longer be infinite and he would be like one of us and he would end someday. See what I'm saying? Then you get like, oh God, stop. Let's talk about something else. And because of that, God did something incredible. He said, I'm going to prove to you exactly who I am and what I'm like and my nature and my character and you're going to be able to touch me and feel me and understand me. Here's Jesus. So everything you could ever discover about God, you discover it in the nature and the character of Jesus Christ. He was the Godhead bodily. He was functioning as God here on earth, giving us an example. I feel like I'm jumping away at myself. We'll get to some of this. For instance... When we think of God, often we see him as judge, and rightfully so. The problem is you don't understand judge. See, because we see him as judge, therefore we see him that when the adulteress is thrown at God's feet, he does what? He judges her. But when they threw her at Jesus' feet, what did he do? See, I just proved you have two different views of God and Jesus. But if Jesus was God manifested into the flesh, then whatever Jesus was doing in the moment is what God was doing in the moment. So we have to come to this place because you can't be thankful if you can't see God right. You can love Jesus till you're blue in the face, but if you don't see God right, you won't live in this level of thanksgiving that we're going to talk about this morning. So what happens is Jesus continues making statements throughout his life on earth. I only do what I see the father doing and I only say what I hear the father saying. So when he told the woman, I don't condemn you, he didn't get to say that because that's what he wanted. He only got to say that because that's what God said. So he gives us this glimpse into God that we didn't have before Jesus. Before Jesus, our glimpse was, you throw me at the bottom of a fiery mountain and I get judged and we all burn in hell one day. (laughs) Sounds terrible. (laughs) So what we do is we come to this understanding and we start dealing with theology based on the nature of God. What do you think about God? Because the Bible actually says that perfect love casts out all fear because fear deals with punishment, right? torment. So what happens a lot of times is we connect God with fear and torment and punishment. Therefore, we never approach him boldly because we don't see him like we see Jesus. I'll give you another example. If Jesus walked in this room right now, if Jesus himself was made flesh once again and walked into this room, there would be a madhouse to get to him. Even Miss Proper and Perfect Miss Helen would kick you to make sure she got to him before anyone else. You see what I'm saying? It would be, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Now take your Bible Belt version of who you thought God was, and what do you do when he walks in the room? We do just like the children of Israel, and we say, hey, Moses, why don't you go check it out and see if it's good? Why don't you go first? Pastor Love, would you please approach him first and make sure he's not going to crush me because I'm sinful? I'm just reading into your life. Go make sure he's not going to strike me dead because I messed up this week. And if you live, then I'll tiptoe on in. This is how we've seen the difference of them. And because we have this messed up theology, we're not thankful people. Let's get into it and see. I want to read you this story because it absolutely rocked me yesterday. Uh, This is a true story of a missionary family who was home on furlough and staying at the lake house of a friend. On the day in question, the dad was puttering in the bathhouse 
excuse me, and the mom in the kitchen, and the three children, ages four, seven, and 12, were on the lawn. Four-year-old Billy escaped his oldest sister's watchful eye and wandered down to the wooden dock. The shiny aluminum boat caught his eye, but unsteady feet landed him in eight-foot-deep water. When the 12-year-old screamed, Dad came running out. Realizing what had happened, he dove into the murky depths. Frantically, he felt for his son, but twice, out of breath, he had to return to the surface. Filling his lungs once more, he dove down and found Billy, clinging to a wooden pier several feet under. Having to pry the boy's fingers loose, he finally bolted to the surface with Billy in his arms. Safely ashore, his father asked, Billy, what were you doing down there? And the little boy replied, just waiting on you, Dad, just waiting on you. This is the nature of our Father. Does this not show you, this little boy was willing to remain in a place that would kill him because he was so convinced his dad was coming. He was so convinced of who his father was, that he was willing to stay somewhere that would kill him until his father got there to get him out. It's the nature of our father. If we could be real honest, most of us are letting go of the pole and we're fighting as hard as we can to get to the top because there's something in us that says he may not come. We're fighting, we're tearing, we're calling, we're working, we're sleepless, we're tired, we're doing, because there's something in us saying he might not show up. And the four-year-old boy hangs underwater clinging to a pole saying, I know he's coming. He's always came. He's always showed up. His track record is perfect. He's that good. He's way better than we think he is. What's crazy is, I think a lot of times we struggle with thankfulness because we struggle with his goodness. His goodness scares us. His goodness is so good it scares us because I can't, I can't nail him down. I can't figure him out. He's too good to me. He's too, scriptures like he leaves the one to find the nine. We don't like that. We don't like the whole he leaves the 99 to find the one because that's scandalous. That's, that's reckless. That's not how I would do it. Guess what? You're not God. Thank God. He's too good for you to understand how he's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. He said, if someone does you wrong, how many times do you forgive them? You just keep forgiving them and you keep forgiving them. Why? Because that's how he does it. But we don't like that because we want him to do it like we do it. As a matter of fact, we want him to treat us like we would treat. We want him to punish us. It would be easier that way. It would be easier, and we have such this, this messed up view of him, and we don't live in the level of thanksgiving that he is calling us into because we don't know he's that good. He's not just that good. He's better than how good you think he is. We often struggle with thankfulness because his goodness rattles us. The song they sang this morning, his goodness, it, it seems reckless. It, it seems a little reckless. Because we're constantly being told, be careful who you let back into your life. Be careful who you let in. Be careful how many times you reach out. Be careful how, how much you extend yourself because you're going to get burnt. God said, I don't care about none of that. I'll reach back out every single time. I'll chase you down every time you run away. I'll come after you every time you give up. And what we do is we've created a God that doesn't do that because we don't do that. But our theology is messed up. And so we're not living in the thanksgiving. If you knew God to be as good as he really is, you would be thankful. You would live in thankfulness. Let me show you all a scripture. We're going to read an entire chapter, all right? Psalms chapter 100. It's a whole like four verses long. Y'all ready? Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. I love that second verse. Serve the Lord with gladness. Man, we could stay there for a while. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. I am obsessed with this verse now. You didn't make you. 
You didn't make you who you are. You didn't put you where you're at. He is the one that has made us. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This is where we want to hang our hat. Enter his gates with and into his courts with. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? Because he's good. No other explanation. Why, do we, why are we so thankful? Why are we blessing his name? Why are we living it? Because he's good. So if you have a theology that doesn't know he's good, you can't live like this. Your theology is keeping you on the outside. And guess what? Verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Gates are what? They're an access. Gates give you access to something that without the gate, you don't get to get in. Guess what? There's some things in life that you don't get into without thanksgiving. So until you get thankful, you live right on the outside of what God has for you. We're standing right out here, and he's saying, if you were living from a place, if you knew who I was, and from knowing who I am and that I am good, you were thankful, you would live in some things you're not currently living in. Your ungratefulness is keeping you out. Our ungratefulness is keeping us on the outside of some things that he is desiring for us to live in. There is absolutely nothing you can do about how much God loves you, but there's everything you can do about how much promise you live in. You could do the worst thing in the world and God still loves you exactly like you do, but depending on what you do determines what promise you live in. There's a gate, and he said you enter it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the key that gets me into some things that I didn't have before. It gets me into some areas, arenas, things, opportunities that I didn't have before. It, it grants me access into something. Why be thankful? Because he's good. Because he's good. Colossians 3 and 17. In the Passion Translation, says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father. Why? Because of what Christ has done for you. Because of what Christ has done for you. We're thankful when we have a revelation of what's been done. A lack of thankfulness is the symptom of a lack of revelation or experience with Jesus. It's a symptom of not actually knowing how good he is. Do you realize that ungratefulness is a shot at God's character? For me not to be thankful is to assume there's something not perfect in his character. There's something he's withholding. There's something he's not giving. There, he said, if I was willing to give my own son, what would I withhold from you? What would I not give you if I gave everything I had? But our ungratefulness keeps us in a place of thinking there, there's probably something else. There's probably something else he should be giving me. Do you realize this is the very trick that Satan got Adam and Eve with? Their ungratefulness of what they had caused them to try to get something they thought they were missing. When all along, they already had it. He said, I made you in my image and my likeness. And Satan comes and said, did he really say that? If you do that, you'll be just like him. Hello, I'm already like him. But their ungratefulness said, I need to take another bite. It's our ungratefulness that often pushes us to a place to try to get something else. If we were grateful for where we're at, we would probably quit running ourselves in the ground to try to get what's next. But it's, 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 it's living in a thanksgiving. We, we, we get this holiday called Thanksgiving. We get it once a year. And for most people, it's the only day we're thankful. But I was in prayer the other day, and this crazy thought came to me. And usually when they're this crazy, I just blame them on the Holy Spirit. So I was in prayer, uh, I think it was Wednesday maybe, or Thursday morning, Thanksgiving Day. We come over here early, was it that day? And uh, I was just in prayer and just being thankful and thinking about it all. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about Thanksgiving Day, an entire day across our nation dedicated to thanksgiving. And then he reminded me of the scripture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. 
enter into his gates. With, so it was like he began to challenge me and say, could this be one day out of the year that the entire nation is closer to being in the kingdom than they've ever been? Because of thankfulness. Even out of their ignorance, because they're being thankful, it's doing something and it's bringing them close to something. Because he said, you get into my, gate, my gates with thanksgiving. You get into my courts with praise. Thankfulness gives us access to something that we did not have access to before. Thankfulness is what allows me to enter into his courts. Thankfulness creates and maintains an awareness of how close Abba actually is to you. When I'm thankful and I'm maintaining it, I'm always aware that he's right here. It keeps my mind in a place of realizing he's working something out right now. He's in the middle of this. I was, I was in here praying uh, one day. This I don't know what day it was. I'm going to quit trying to act like I do. Uh, but, and I was just talking with God about some of the things that have felt different lately in life. And I was reminiscing and I was going through my history with God. And he was reminding me of a time when I was in, my, when I was in the little bitty wood shop right next to my house. And I'm pretty sure I was building Bobby and Lindsay's table. So it took the entire wood shop to build it. And uh, so I was just in there and just by myself. It was late at night and it was like me and God were just conversating the whole time. And it was so, it was just one of the moments, like I wrote it down in my calendar and just, it's one of those things you remember. And he just began to show me these things of, of him being so near. And I kind of made the statement of, I, I like it better when you're that near. And he responded with, I like it better when you realize how near I am. So I was like, okay, you win. You know what I'm saying? And, but what it is is when I'm not thankful, I'm not aware that he's with me. When, when I'm being ungrateful, I'm not paying attention to the fact that he's right there. He's right there in that moment, whatever the moment may be. And it's tough because a lot of times when we're not being grateful is when we're in a bad situation. Let's just be honest. But what if we were able to be thankful even when it's not good? And because I'm thankful, I'm aware that he's with me when it's not good. And then when things that are not good get worked out for my good because I was aware that he was there. What is the awareness? I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm just, I want to live in this state of thanksgiving. I love this. Thankfulness stewarded correctly will often result in a spontaneous combustion of praise. I love this. So me and Sister Mary are working around here at the church quite a bit together. Like we're just passing each other, doing stuff here. She's usually, what, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. She's just up here cleaning this entire place. And I've noticed sometimes I'll be in the sound room working on something. It should be something. And all of a sudden I'll just hear, thank you, Jesus. And it's just like this spot. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, okay. It's Sister Mary. You know what I mean? But in her mind, she's being thankful She's thankful that she's able to be here cleaning this church on a Thursday. She's thankful that God has taken care of her family and provided her. And because of it, it begins to erupt into this praise and this spontaneous, uh, it, it geeks me up every time. I just join in with her. God, you're good. You're great. I love you. And it just does something. It becomes this spontaneous thing that started with just being thankful. So ask yourself, when's the last time you spontaneously combusted into praise? Mm. Because thankfulness brings it out in us. Thankfulness begins to just, you know what, he's good. You know why? Because the scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And what's next? You can't go in there and praise until you've first been thankful. You can't walk in this sanctuary and praise God until you've first been thankful. You could come in here and karaoke off the screen with everybody else, but you can't praise until you first walked in with thankfulness. Because you can only praise him in the courts. And you can't get to the courts till you went to the gate. And you can't get to the gate until you've been thankful. So what happens a lot of times, and I've talked about this before, we come in here on a Sunday morning and we all stand around and sing songs, but nobody praises. 
because nobody started with thankfulness, got into his gates, and then got into his courts with the praise. We, we admire places like Bethel and IHOP and uh, Hope Chapel because of the places that their worship goes. We read testimonies of people just being in their worship services and getting healed of cancer, getting out of wheelchairs. Hope Chapel has a testimony. They were in worship, and a lady with a cancerous tumor on her head drove into the parking lot while they were in worship, and it fell off over, and she was instantly healed. In wor- Why? Because they're worshiping from a place we haven't got to yet. They're worshiping from in his courts, and in his courts, anything is possible. In his courts, it's like heaven here on earth and anything becomes possible so don't get frustrated don't get frustrated when you're singing songs and it doesn't feel like heaven on earth because it's not God's fault God created the gate you just got to access it with thankfulness start entering into that place start coming in and say God I'm thankful God I'm just thankful here's here's a crazy thing too uh I was in here in prayer and I was just being thankful in a very literal way, if that makes sense. And we all do it. Like, God, I thank you for my house. God, I thank you for my truck. God, I thank you for, you know, and I was just being super literal. Stuff, things. And the Holy Spirit hit me with one that just totally caught me off guard. He said, I didn't give you those things. Like, whoa, wait a minute. What are you trying to say here? I feel like you're trying to pull me into something. He said, I didn't give you those things. You got that because of a good work ethic, hard work, a good character, a reputation, a name, a bank that was willing to loan you whatever you wanted. (laughs) Those are the things that got you there. He said, the things I gave you, no one could take away. I gave you peace. I gave you joy. I gave you wealth without worry. These are the things I gave you. He said, because even if you weren't serving me, you have a good enough work ethic, you could gain some stuff but you would gain the stuff along with worry and anxiety and I need to work more and make more money and oh my God, is this gonna come through? No, 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 no. He said, see, see, I allow you to get the stuff and I accompany it with peace, joy. Because you know what? The bank can't repo my peace. Oh, that was good. That was good, wasn't it? They ain't gonna repo my truck neither. I'm gonna work. So he just began to show me, and you know what was the greatest part of the whole conversation for me? It showed me a new aspect of God that he wasn't sitting in heaven saying, yeah, you better give me credit. I gave you those things. You better acknowledge me. See, that's how we see it. I better thank him for my house today or he may take it from me. What, what do we think God's some Indian giver? I hear you go, oh, almost. You almost had that. That's how we've seen him for so long. But no, 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 no. He said, I don't need the credit. As a matter of fact, I didn't know if I was going to share this part, but what he actually began to do in this conversation, he began to turn my attention. Wow, I just got super emotional. He began to turn my attention to my dad. He began to say, if you want to thank somebody, thank your dad because he taught you how to work hard. He taught you how to be a good husband. He taught you how to have character. He taught you how to deal with people well. He taught you how to be a businessman. He began to show me, and it created this new level of thankfulness. It It was just one of those moments where I was like, God, you're so much better than I ever thought you were. He never once was sitting up there saying, you better give me credit. You better recognize me. No, 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 no. God, that's not who he is. Oh, I don't even know where I'm at, y'all. Let me read that statement that I was at a while ago. Thankfulness stewarded correctly will often result in a spontaneous combustion of praise. I love that. That's so rich. But ungratefulness that's allowed to remain will often result in a spontaneous combustion of opinionated preference. Mm. When I'm not living in thankfulness, I become real opinionated. When I'm not being grateful, you know what combusts out of me? My opinion. My preference, my this is how I would have done it. This is what I would have sang. This is what I would rather you look at. This is what I would rather you say. This is what I would rather you, and all of our opinions become what just, it just, it's, I used to get so aggravated with opinionated people 
But then I, now I realize it's just because they're so ungrateful they can't help it. It just, it's a natural response. I mean, it still annoys me, but it's just a natural response. They can't help but be opinionated because they're ungrateful. Because ungratefulness is about you and thankfulness is about him. It's a perception, but we can never be super thankful about him because we don't see him correctly. We don't see him as good as he really is. I'm beginning to believe that ungratefulness is the, what's the word I want there? I'm just going to go super simple. Ungratefulness is the exact opposite of Jesus. I don't believe you can be ungrateful and be like Jesus. I know we like to shoot at the big sins, like you can't do this big sin and be like Jesus, but you also can't be ungrateful. Because when you're ungrateful, you're not content. You see what I'm saying? Jesus was so content with what he had and who he was. And he was forever grateful for every moment. And he continued to point it at the Father. Don't call me good. Only one is good, and that is the Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. It, it has, and, and it creates a thankfulness that we live in. Do you realize if you're thankful, you can make minimum wage and still be happy? I don't think you should have to, but you can. When you're not thankful, you can make triple digits a year and not be happy, not be content. Why? Because you're not grateful. You're not thankful. You're not, and, and, and what happens is we think it's a money issue, but it's actually a theology issue. It has nothing to do with your money. It has everything to do with how you see him. I want to steward a level of thankfulness that allows me not to have to keep entering the gates. You get what I'm saying? If thankfulness gets you in, then ungratefulness gets you out. Does that make sense? I want to steward a level of thankfulness where I don't come out no more. And I'm just hanging out in the gates. And you better watch out because any moment I may spontaneously combust into praise and it may get on you. And if you're ungrateful, you're probably going to be offended. And, and, and I don't, I, don't, I want to live in there. I want, I want to be thankful. Let me show you one more set of scriptures. All right, go to Luke chapter 17. My dad would be so proud. I'm going to read this out of the King James Version with all the these and thous and yees and Whatever else they got in there. Most of you probably know the story. I could probably just paraphrase it, but I want to read it today. Can we just read it together? Uh, it's the story of the ten lepers. Did I tell you all where? Luke 17, verse 12. I hear pages turning, so I'll give you a second. Enter in his gates with thanksgiving. Luke 17, verse 12, 12, 12, as if there's more than one. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, I love the Bible. It's so much fun. But I also like, how do I say this, in reverence. I also like to make jokes about how the Bible is written because sometimes it's, it's funny. Because ten men met him which stood afar off. So which is it? Did they meet him there or did they stand afar off? Okay, it was good to me. I have fun when I read the Bible. It's a blast. They stood afar and they lifted up their voices. So they're far off and they're yelling, but they met him there. I'm still confused. Thank you, King James Version. Lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, one of them was healed. Good job, bud. As they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. 
And Jesus answered and said, were not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God. There are not found. Should have just went with New King James. Save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. So you're telling me he was healed, but he wasn't whole. The, all of them got healed. One of them got whole. What was the difference in the one? He came back to say thank you. I have no doubt a lot of you have been healed because sozo, which is where we get salvation, means healed. I don't doubt your salvation. I just doubt your wholeness because wholeness, according to this, is a result of your thankfulness. Wow. Ten got healed, one got whole. That's a pretty low percentage. That's a pretty low percentage. Ten of them got healed, one became thankful. Are we living post-encounter with Jesus Christ and still not living in thankfulness? All these men encountered Jesus on the same level. They all came to Jesus. They all made a request. They all got an answer. They all got healed. One became thankful and became whole because of it. I don't want to just make it to heaven. I want to be whole. I want to be complete. Did you know most places in your Bible where it uses the word perfect can be translated whole? There's a power in thankfulness that brings wholeness into your life. A lot of us are dealing with issues in our lives because we're not thankful. You're not going to willpower through that. Let, let's, let's, let's get real. You're not going to wheel that desire out of your life. You're not going to wheel that temptation out of your You're not strong enough. Trust me, I've been there. I've been there thinking, no, I'm going to man up this time, and I'm going to deal with this. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. But there's something in thankfulness that when I come back to him because I'm so thankful, you know what that's called? That's called stewarding it. Most of us have had some type of encounter, but probably 1% of us has stewarded it. See, uh, we, we tend to look at uh, heroes of the faith and think that there was something special about them that got them to where they were. No, 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 you're wrong. They had the same encounter with Jesus that we had. They just stewarded it correctly. They were thankful. They were thankful. Did you know that the Israelites were in bondage to Egypt? They were being beaten daily, starved. It was horrific. And I, I want to say it was 400 years, right? Is that how long they were in there? 400 years of the worst possible persecution, beatings, slavery is what it was that you could imagine. Moses shows up. almost said Noah. Moses shows up. It's that, it's that joke where they do them backwards. It gets me every time. Moses shows up and by the grace of God delivers them, gets them into freedom. And after they've been on the road a little while, guess what happens? Ungratefulness sets in and they say, maybe we should go back. How ungrateful do you have to be to say, I think I'm going to go back to slavery. I think I'm going to go back to bondage. You know what I mean? Like this freedom thing is cool and all, but I think I'm, you got to. So what does this tell us? One of the red flags to ungratefulness is things from your past start looking good again. Right? Right? All of a sudden. Man, you know, that wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. You can trace that straight to a place of ungratefulness. You quit being thankful for the blood that was shed for your life. Because while you were still a sinner, 
while the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for the ungodly. Scarce for a righteous man, I may be butchering this, would one die? But God came and gave his life for us. For you, while you were still messed up, while you were still being stupid, while we were still doing all the things we wanted to do, Christ came and gave his life. And if that's not enough for me to live in thankfulness, then what will be? What will be enough? It's so easy to judge the Israelites for their ungratefulness, for their freedom. But how often do I find myself the same way? Just ungrateful. Just not living in a place of thankfulness for what he's done, for who he is, what he's always been. His track record is perfect. And we become ungrateful. We forget about it. We just, we just kind of let it go. And I want to learn to steward a level of thankfulness that allows me to live in this place that we are so constantly going back and forth from. I believe a lot of what we're after in the kingdom and heaven on earth is inside those gates. But it's our ungratefulness that keeps pulling us back out. It's, it's, it's us not remembering how good he is or, or maybe just not knowing how good he is. But he is that good. One of the other songs we sang this morning was, uh, or it may be the same song, there's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up, coming after you. But so many of us, if we're honest, we don't really believe that about us. I believe he's tearing down walls and he's going hard and he's trying to win the loss. But I just don't believe it about me. I don't believe he's willing to go to any length for me. So because I don't know he's that good, I can't live in the proper measure of thankfulness. But he's, go, he's doing all those things for you. If he would do them for a sinner that is lost, why wouldn't he do them for his child? He's doing them after you. Mike Bickle makes a state, made a statement that said, God's judgments are aimed at anything that interferes with love. Anything in your life that's interfering with how much you see his love for you, that's what his judgments are aimed at. I feel like the problem is, for most of us, when we think of God as judge, we put him as a judge in a Western courtroom with a gavel and the robe, and he's just dropping it and giving everybody their fate. But it's not right for us to take God and put him in our culture. Because have you ever read the book of Judges? Maybe we should start there. If he's a judge, let's check out what the Bible says about judges. Guess what Judges is full of? People that saved the Israelites when they were stupid. I could probably use a better word than that. When they were getting back into bondage. <laughs> right? Isn't that what happened every time? Go read Judges. And how often does God raise up a man to deliver them? That's a judge. It judges everything that's keeping you in bondage. He comes after everything that's holding you back, everything that doesn't tell you who you really are. That's the judge that he is. He's not sitting in a courtroom dropping a gavel. God, we made him so little. We made him so, we, we've made him a, we've compared him to Judge Judy. Is she even still a judge? I don't even know. Is she even actually a judge? I don't even know that. I didn't know if the show was real or not. You see what I'm saying? We, we've made him like that. He's like Judge Judy and bring your case before him and hopefully if you have enough good merits, when the gavel falls, you'll be on his good side. You better trash all that right now because the book of Judges tells me he's actually a Nehemiah or he's, he's a, 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 a one of them other guys in there that I cannot think of right now. And what he does when you get yourself in a mess, he shows up and saves the day. That's the kind of judge that he is. He's better than you think he is. He's better than we think he is. He's not here with a gavel in his hand. Quit telling people that. Quit believing that. No, no, no. He's not here with a gavel in his hand. He's here to save the day. 
That's the God that I serve. My theology doesn't tell me he's looking to judge me because I messed up. My theology tells me that when I mess up, he's there to save me. And because of it, I'm just thankful. Because of it, I just remain thankful. My last scripture, I didn't even put it on the screen. In Romans, it says, it's the goodness of God that draws men unto repentance. If you've been tracking with us here at Life Church for any amount of time, you already know that repentance doesn't mean to turn and go the other way. Repentance, actually, the word is metanoia, which means to change the way you think. If you knew how good he was, you would think different. When we see how good he is, we can do nothing but think different. You have to think, you have to start changing all the ways you've thought for so long. For so long, you have to change that thought process. Uh, I think it was last weekend, Dad was talking about changing your mind and repentance and uh, uh, creating a whole new way of thinking. And if y'all remember, it was pretty awesome. He was just rambling through, and you know how he is. He's just wild and out of control, it seems like. And he threw out the word proclivity. And then he was like, whatever that means. And he just moved on. Well, me being the nerd that I am, I wrote it down and started Googling it and searching it out. And the word is actually incredible. And I thought that's what I was going to be teaching today. But it actually went along with what it was. And proclivity is a, a, a pro, uh, pre, predisposed thought process. It's, it's your routine. It's what you do over and over. And, and we returned on to some teaching a little while back. Scott could probably tell you who it was. I can't remember now. Uh, maybe Sean Bowles or one of them. And they were talking about the brain and the way it works. And your brain is designed to take the path of least resistance. So your responses and your thought process and all that, your brain from a child starts creating pathways and it's always going to take the easiest one. So when the Bible talks about renewing your mind, what it's actually doing is talking about training your brain to have a new pathway and so when you meditate on the word of God and, you, and you're constantly thankful, what it's doing is it's actually creating a new way in your brain. And your brain will respond differently because you have trained it and gave it a new easy pathway, if that makes sense. Why am I saying all this? Because right now, most of our brains, the easiest way is ungrateful. It's, it's a natural response for most people to just... And I don't mean this in a bad way because I am extremely grateful to be an American. I, it's one of the things I try to be thankful for. But because we are Americans and we are so blessed and things are just given so freely, often it stewards in itself a level of ungratefulness which leads to discontentment or entitlement or things like that. And, and so what has to happen, I think one of the, one of the answers for true patriotism is thankfulness. I, you can't be a patriot without being thankful. And, and what happens is when I'm not thankful, I begin to pick out what was wrong with the way it got here or the past or whatever it may be. And I'm not here to pick sides or to go at anything. But what I'm telling you is you have to start to teach yourself, renew your mind into a place of thankfulness. If there's certain things in your life that, that, that steward or trigger ungratefulness, then you need to remove yourself from them. If, if watching certain news programs, you pick your preference, it don't matter which side you watch. If it stirs up ungratefulness, then as a Christian, you have to do what is necessary to live in thankfulness. Now, some of you may say, man, I can watch that all day and it doesn't make me ungrateful. I'm, I'm proud of you. Great. I don't think I could. So I just don't watch any news and I just never know what's going on. You see what I'm saying? We as Christians, the, the Bible says, man, I didn't realize I was going to go into this. I'm trying not to keep y'all too late. The Bible says make no provisions for the flesh. And we always make that about big sins. We always, you know, I remember, I remember I've been a youth pastor for however many years now, too long. Uh, but I remember teaching the scripture and be like, make no provision in your flesh. If you're a teenager, don't get in the backseat of a car with the opposite sex because you're not strong enough. 
all right? Don't make provisions. And it does mean those things. It does mean big sins. But make no provisions for the flesh also means if this is something that stirs up ungratefulness, don't make provisions for it. Don't give it the opportunity. If it's that thing you watch, if it's that situation, if it's that whatever, move yourself from it. Do what it takes to be thankful. Thankfulness is too important for us to keep acting like it's not a big deal. Because I'm now convinced that it's Thanksgiving that gets me into his gates. It's Thanksgiving sets me up to be close to him. Makes me aware of how close he is, let's put it that way. It's in Thanksgiving. So this last couple of weeks, as, as God just began to speak to me about Thanksgiving, it's, first of all, made me very aware of when I'm ungrateful. It's made me very aware, and it's like Holy Spirit has been highlighting areas in my life where I just, I haven't really been thankful. And I'm kind of in this thing of, can you not be thankful and not be ungrateful? I mean, I feel like they're kind of one or the other in my own life. Either you're thankful for it or you're ungrateful. You know what I'm saying? And, and I've just been in my own way processing through this, trying to figure out, God, I want to be thankful. Teach me how to be thankful. One of the things I, I've, I've, I'm trying to do now, uh, in my bathroom on the mirror, I have like five scriptures across the bottom that are all about family. There are five scriptures. I think four of them are out of Isaiah but they're all about family and children. One of my favorite ones that says, I will fight those that fight you and I will save your children. Yeah. One of my favorites. I read it every day of my life. I read this scripture. There's five of them and they're all about those things. And it was like this week he began to challenge me. All right, now let's add to those five and let's add thankfulness. And one of the first ones I came to, of course, was this one and the one I read y'all earlier of Colossians 3 and 17, where in another translation it says, in everything you do, give thanks. Be thankful in all of it, every part of it. Church, I want to challenge you. Family, I want to challenge you this morning. We've got to be grateful. We have to get back to being thankful, even for the small things, for the things that we so take for granted. I, I, I was talking to Stephen last night, actually, and no, no, it was KG. I was, I was giving her a bath last night, and it was raining really hard, and you could hear it hitting. The bathroom is on the outside wall. And you could hear the rain just nailing the side of the house. And KG just turns around and she's like, I'm so thankful this wall's here. And of course, I'm in the middle of all this, so I'm just a wreck at this point. I'm just crying like, God, I hear you. And she's like, I was like, yeah, we got to be thankful that we have a house for situations like this. And she said, yeah, because some people don't have a house. Pff, I was a wreck again. I was like, girl, you're killing me tonight. And so it was just, it, it was bringing me back to this place of, how ungrateful have we become? And, and, and often, I don't think it's like a malicious, like we're just spoiled brats, just being ungrateful for everything. No, we're just not thankful. Can we, can we collectively just be honest and be like, we're just not thankful. We're not thankful on the level that we should be. Whichever one you guys are playing, it don't matter to me. I want to pray, and I want to give some of you a chance as well. I was in prayer over here yesterday and I kept coming back to the scripture. It's the goodness of God that draws men into repentance. Metanoia, changing the way you think. But, but it is salvation nonetheless. It's, it's what this whole thing is about. And it's the goodness of God when we see him properly. Salvation is the only option. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.